Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for joining me and my new friend, Tim Shaw, on Suede's podcast, People in Sales, Not Sales People, a podcast where we analyze the person behind the salesperson. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. Thank you very much. And I'm pleased to be on your program. We're really, really happy to have you. Super excited to dive into your background. Tim has an interesting one. We're going to we're going to explore Tim's background. Last week, we we spoke, Tim, and you told me a bit about your background. But for the first time, viewers uh, here on the podcast, just give an overview of your background um, and, and what you have, have been working on before you started Smart Response Technologies. So I, I'm, I'm originally from Ohio, born and raised in Xenia. Uh, and then I took about a 20-year hiatus with a couple different careers. I, I was a Marine officer um, for a few years. Then I became an FBI agent and uh, really enjoyed the career of investigating uh, crimes. Uh, I, I loved going into the courtroom. There was nothing more than presenting your case and then waiting for 12 people that knew nothing about it to say you were right or you were wrong. Mm. Um, I, only told, I was only told I was wrong twice in 21 years, so I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, after retiring from the FBI, uh, I started to slow down a little bit. I didn't completely stop working. Uh, I went to Tiffin University up in Tiffin, Ohio, and was the dean of their school, criminal justice, social sciences, for about four and a half years. Uh, I was offered a job at the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center in Beaver Creek, where we trained intelligence analysts for our uh, intelligence community and law enforcement. Uh, after that, I got into the private sector and got talked into co-founding Smart Response Technologies. And I guess I'm, I've become an entrepreneur late in life. <laughs> I like that. I guess I've become an entrepreneur. So you were corrosed. They said, Here, here's a problem. I think you can build it, man. Uh, come join us. What did that look like? What did the beginning look like? You, you know, it was, it was funny, Matthew, because they took me to the Air Force Research Lab and they showed me this patented technology that the Air Force had invented called multimodal communication. Hmm. And it, during my career in the FBI, I spent 18 years uh, as a SWAT agent. So I, I was involved in a lot of operations, a lot of radios, a lot of things going on. And when I saw this, all I could think of was, wow, this would have made my life easier because it, it transcribed radio traffic live and it also, as you listen to more than one channel, it spatially separates it around your head. Wow. And so instead of, you know, having a radio in my ear and a radio in the car and another radio on the seat, a cell phone going, trying to figure out who's talking, who's doing what, there was a way that you, you now can put that into one headset and listen to everything. Wow. And, you know, I, I every time I go on a sales call, I ask everyone the same question at the end. How do you listen to more than one channel in your dispatch center or on, on scene? And there's only two ways, and this is the 21st century, but there's only two ways that are out there technology-wise. Hmm. You put it on scan and you scan a bunch of channels and you hope you don't miss when somebody's talking on a channel you need to hear or you have a bunch of speakers in front of you that you're trying to understand what's going on. Amazing. So that's what we're bringing to the table with, with smart responses is the ability to listen to multiple channels, um, 
see that live transcription. And as we go on into the podcast, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about some of the technology that we license from AFRL that makes us really unique in the market. Gotcha. Yeah. Super interested in the tech. I'm a tech guy myself. Um, so looks like we're getting pretty technical here, folks. Um, I, I like to, I like to dive, dive back to the Marine officer phase of your life. My sister's a Marine. Yes. She's, she's a Marine four years, spent four years in Okinawa, Japan. Um, where were you stationed when you were a Marine? I was, uh, well, obviously as an officer, you go through the basic school at Quantico. Then I was sent to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, where I was trained as an artillery officer. And then I was assigned to the 10th Marine Regiment at Camp Lejeune. Um, I was with the 3rd Battalion, 10th Marines. And I was, uh, I was deployed twice to the Mediterranean. Um, you basically, for six months, you're on board ship floating around the Mediterranean, uh, conducting exercises with other countries. Uh, you are the tip of the spear in that region of the world. So whether it's Europe or the Middle East or wherever, you're you're prepared to uh, go ashore and, and start the battle. So. Okay, start the battle um, with the different countries. I don't really know how all the government war stuff works, but I thought they were our uh, our allies. <laughs> well, when I say start the battle, it's it's you know let's just take the Ukraine situation. Let's say NATO countries that Russia decides to attack them. There's Marine forces, you know, in the Mediterranean on board ship that have the capability to, to air and ground assault. So they would go into NATO and join that battle, wow. right? They would they would be the first there to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Super interesting. Super interesting. And then you spent six years as a Marine officer uh, and then went to the FBI, which is awesome because as far as a salesperson, one of my favorite sales influencers, salespeople is Chris Voss, who... Uh, do you know about Chris? I don't. His story. So he wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. He was in FBI as a crisis negotiator for decades. He wrote, he wrote a book around never uh, called Never Split the Difference, which is all around negotiation tactics. Um, and in the book, he always starts with a story about his time in the FBI. So if you haven't read it, you know, maybe give it a listen and, and see if <laughs> see if uh, I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it's always interesting to me. And when you say presenting a case as an FBI officer, I'm sure a lot of that was helpful for you as you transitioned into this role at, at Smart Smart Response Technologies. Yeah, um, you know, there's a couple of things that helped. One was uh, I was put on recruiting duty for the Marine Corps. So in the early 80s, trying to get people to enlist in the military after Vietnam was over, and we were kind of transitioning to an all-volunteer force at the time, you learn to sell real quick. You're going to talk to some young woman, young man, and say, hey, go join the Marine Corps, defend the country, you know, and you got to be able to talk to them. Mm -hmm. um, I took that uh, with my, my law school training, and I took that into the FBI and learned that if you commun communication is the biggest thing. You know, in the FBI, you can have a SWAT mission in the morning, you're hitting a, a, a dope house or you're hitting, you know, a terrorist or whatever, and you got to talk to those people. And then that afternoon, you're back in the office and you got a suit and tie on, you're talking to an executive. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to communicate at all levels, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that's the same thing with sales. You have to be able to communicate with your, your market and the folks that are 
wanting to buy your product. And by communicate, it's not necessarily telling them what they want to hear. You have to, there's a, a technique called uh, QBS, question-based selling. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. But that allows you to ask questions to find out what their needs are, mm -hmm. right? What do they need? And a lot of times when I'm selling our, our Delphini product to dispatchers or supervisors or whoever is in the room, there's all kinds of different questions that you have to answer. And I think one of the biggest pitfalls that we get into is we want to tell them everything. Mm -hmm. But the problem is if they ask you a specific question and you answer it, and there's no follow-up question, and they say, I like this, why go on? You've got the sale, now close it, right? Now close it. And that's a hard thing to learn. That's a hard thing to learn. And because we have a lot of different features in our Delphini product, love to talk about it. Yeah. But why should I tell you all the features when you don't care, you just wanna know about the transcription, the keyword learning, how is that all, you know, and how has that saved me time? Mm -hmm. exactly. so, yeah. That's a lot. That's a trap that a lot of salespeople fall into and a lot of product-based salespeople fall, fall into because you fall in love with the product, all the features, you're just, you're on your little pedestal and telling everybody way too much information and you'll eventually turn them off. Yeah. I, I've been asked to speak at the uh, Georgia communication conference mm -hmm. nice. uh, uh, next month and I'm given a class and it's not about Delphini. I can't talk about that because I can't sell to the class. Here's what I'm talking about. AI. Hmm. AI scares people. AI thinks it's going to, you know, people think AI is going to solve the problems of the world. And we just saw the issues with Google where AI is only as good as you train it. Right. And if you don't train it correctly, it, it won't work. Mm -hmm. um, the uniqueness of our product. And what I'm going to talk about is AI is not going to replace a dispatcher. Think about it. You and I are interacting. I can, I can watch you. And if I say something that's, that's exciting, I know I need to go on because I see your facial expression, right? You have an instinct and intuition about people. You have an instinct and intuition that when you see something, it's like, I don't want to go there or I'm not talking to this person, you know, you can't, you can't build AI to take over human instinct and emotion. Mm -hmm. I have a slide in my presentation and it's a bunch of dots on one side and then on the other side, they're all connected together. All the dots on the one side, that's knowledge. All the dots co connected together, that's experience. Mm. You can't give experience to AI. You right. can't do it. Right. You know? and, and so the whole gist of this is don't be afraid of it. Use this as a tool, right? Yeah. And and that's to me, that's the benefit of AI. It's a tool to help in life. Mm -hmm. you know? help, um, replace some of the mundane tasks, some of the more yes. novel tasks in your life. And when it comes to the future of AI, not a lot of people know what uh, what the world's going to look like, you know, in 10 years with a lot of this really interesting AI tech coming out. You but, know, that, that's the uniqueness about um, Delphini. We have a AI PhD. Uh, Anwar is phenomenal in his ability to train our language models. Nice. And we only train on public safety radio traffic, and we're getting ready to expand into the 911-988 arena. Mm -hmm. So we're going to train with 911 calls. And the reason we train with that is if you've ever listened to a police scanner, 
it's or or fire scanner it is a whole different language interesting okay so here's what makes us so good and, and why we're so good is we have a little black box that's our language model and all all it's in there is public safety radio right mm -hmm. where if you go to google or amazon or who, whoever they have this huge black box and it's filled with conversational language like we're having right doesn't awesome. work with unique languages so again that's the uniqueness that srt is bringing to the public safety arena yeah and just like that you can um translate that into the sales arena and what you experience as an fbi officer every yes. community every culture every different person you talk to has their own black box of nomenclature of Absolutely. what right what buzzwords they resonate with, what slang words they use, you know, there's there's various different, you know, words that resonate with different people groups. So it's important for you to understand that. Yeah. Uh, and it all goes back to communication. Right? right. Right. You have to be a good communicator and a good listener and understand what people are saying and, and be empathetic in a way. So yes, very awesome. Yeah. So AI, AI is really cool. I, you know, it's going to create some problems that are going to require solutions. There's going to be new businesses that that get created um, um, that we haven't even thought of because of some of the problems that AI will create. But in general, it's gonna be a supportive tool for for every every industry and every job. Um, awesome, well, that was great. Thank you for the background. I love talking about Marine officer, FBI officer, and, and some of the conversational insights um, experience you, you, um, you acquired there. Let's talk a little bit about smart response technologies at a top level. Tell us what it is and who it's for. So smart response technology is an AI software as a service business. It is for public safety emergency communication centers, dispatchers, mm -hmm. and call takers. About 33 to 37% of the dispatch jobs in this country are go unfilled, forcing dispatchers to work inordinate amount of hours, forced overtime, um, a lot of the dispatch centers, you're not getting a call taker and then someone on the radio, a lot of dispatch centers, they're taking the call, they're dispatching, they're typing into the CAD and they're, they're doing a great job, right? They're doing a phenomenal job. Yeah. So a lot of people don't understand that. Sometimes you have some dispatch centers, there might only be one dispatcher on during the night. So if something major happens, they got a lot of work to do, right? So what smart response technologies did is we went out and we have an exclusive license with the MMC patent from the Air Force Research Lab. And in there, they have not only bringing in multiple communications, whether it's phone, radio, text, whatever. They also have keyword learning as part of that patent and keyword highlighting. So in a live transcription, we allow our customers to put whatever keyword they want in there. That, that triggers them. And there can be a critical uh, alert, a passive alert, or just highlighting the word in the transcript. Mm -hmm. This does a couple of things for that, that dispatcher. If, if you have that set up so it can alert someone, now they're on the phone listening, now they're typing into the CAD, they're dispatching a first responder. Right now they're expected to pick up the phone or somehow communicate with that supervisor or command staff. You need to be aware of this. Mm -hmm. Our system does that for them. And I've talked to a lot of dispatchers and they're like, that is awesome. I would love to save time. Mm -hmm. So we're in the business of helping eliminate 
people miscommunicating, mm -hmm. saying, you know, saying one thing and understanding another, uh, not putting the right information out because they're, they're multitasking. They just didn't hear it all. Um, and to avoid miscommunicating. In other words, um, I'm sorry, miscommun miscommunications. In other words, somebody says something on the radio, but they're talking on the phone. Now they got to go back and ask them to repeat or whatever. And it, it's, it, it's frustrating for everybody. Um, you know, dispatch centers and call takers and dispatchers, they're the first of the first responders. People don't, don't really realize that. Yeah. Some states are actually now moving toward allowing dispatchers were considered clerical people mm -hmm. under the states. Now they're becoming public safety. So they're getting a little bit of acknowledgement. So yeah. all we're trying to do is reduce stress, uh, help their day a little bit so they can go home and not be stressed out a little. And and so that's SRT at a, at a high level. Yeah, that's good. I really appreciate that explanation. And honestly, there's a lot of uh, knowledge that I didn't know before this. I didn't know that some of these dispatch centers only had one person working there. You know, to me, when I call in, I just imagine dozens of people uh, like you see on, on TV and, you know, everybody's taking calls and, and working together and stuff. But I guess now it's gotten to a point where it's hard to hire, maintain, retain individuals who work here. So that that's a good point. And that's another thing that SRT is trying to do, you know, and in, in, in you growing up, you're a lot younger than I am. You've always, you've always had a computer around. Mm -hmm. Now the generation coming in has always had a smartphone, an iPad, a tablet, a laptop. Why not use those tools to help those new dispatchers? Right. We have to get away from sitting there listening to the radio because dispatchers develop what they call radio ear, understanding what's being said on the radio. Um, you know, you got to understand not all radios are clear and like we're talking. They're scratchy, there's noise, there's all kinds of issues. And so a lot of these new dispatchers get frustrated because they got to sit there and they can't understand. Mm -hmm. Our product's being used by some folks that for the first three or four weeks, maybe a month or so, they, they have to listen. Then they let them see the transcription, just make sure that, oh, okay, that's what I'm hearing, right? They don't let it play back. Mm -hmm. But think about this. You can go in and, and I've always used this example when I talk to trainers and, and QA people for dispatch centers. If you, if you have a person that's struggling on certain words, at the end of that 12-hour shift, you go into our system, type in that word and see how many times it, it was said and their response. So if I have 10 times that word said and I got eight out of 10 right, now I have positive reinforcement to go back to that person and say, you're doing better. You only missed two. Mm -hmm. Right. right. And, and, and so it's positive reinforcement, but you're allowing them to use a tool they're accustomed to. Right. No, it makes sense. That positive reinforcement will lead to that person not getting frustrated, wanting to leave. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it probably right. costs close to a hundred thousand dollars if you lose somebody to retrain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and small departments can't afford that. Exactly. I've, I've had dispatch supervisors say, I hire 10 to get two. I hire 10 to get five because wow. they can't keep them. Wow. That's it's, a big problem. That's it's a stressful job. It's very stressful. Yeah. That's, I persuade my business. Um, our, our target market is call centers and outsource sales firms. You get that same type of problem. People come in, get frustrated, don't really understand what the work is entailing, and then leave. 
And then some of these managers are, when they hire, they have a mindset of like, oh, this person's probably not going to make it. This person's not probably not going to make it. So they're not going to invest in them, which just creates a snowball effect where you see 70, 80, 100% employee yes. interest. And, and quite honestly, as we grow, call centers may be where we go to. Really? So a call taker in a call center can get a, a transcription. I love it. All right. So target market are these dispatching firms. A lot of them are probably, um, I could be wrong with this, but when it comes to the government, sometimes they're slow on adopting new tech. Uh, yes. Ian, tell us about the problems you have come across when it comes to people not wanting to change. Our, well, you get the ones that know they've got to listen. They can't do it unless they listen. And I come from that old school that I was trained that way. And I'm telling you, that's not the way to train people. It's not about sitting there grinding away hour after hour. That's not it. When you start showing them the benefits of the system, even dispatchers that are from old school say, wow, this would really help in our training, or this would really help maintain, keep people in the job because we're helping them, right? So the, the biggest thing we come across is um, in public safety and having been there, We've always done it this way. It's always worked. I'm not changing, right? That's that's what they right. That's the mentality, right? So you have to you have to take a little bit of time, and you have to to show them that that, uh, that technology is a good tool, and technology is a good thing. It's not going to take them away. It's not going to be oh, I got to do an extra thing. That's not it. When we built this technology. There was one thing that I stressed, and I to this day, my, my DevOps team gets it. One click. Hmm. If I have to click it more than once, I'm not going to use it, right? And, and they kind of look at me, and I said, if you're in a crisis, if you're in a major event, and you open that laptop to, to see radio channels that you're trying to control units and understand what's going on, and you got to click three or four times, and then you got to go log in here, and you got to click three or four times and put... I'm just going to shut it down and get a piece of paper and pen out. And we got to get away from that. Right. right. Okay. So it it's just, a, it's educating them on, it's not going to cause you more work. It's actually going to help you with your work. Mm -hmm. That's good. You know? And, and as you know, with, with government, our biggest issue is the, um, the sales cycle, the, the you know, it, it's not 60 days. It's, you know, it could take longer because they have budgets. They got to get all their approvals. Um, we have a lot of contracts waiting, but we just got to get in the budget cycle that we can get, get the money set aside. Right. So, yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of government RFPs around putting AI into some of these dispatcher technologies. I was sent one a while back. But I'm sure with the developments of AI, the government's like, hey, we need to be utilizing this technology. Well, so that's kind of that's kind of the nice thing about SRT is right now with the Delphini product, we're sole source, so we can get around the uh, RFP. Okay, that's good. We're yeah. the only ones doing the radio, live radio traffic. Hmm. And the AI ML around that? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, so... You are obviously a now knowledgeable salesperson. Um, you talked about QBS. Um, you talked about you know how you translated the communication, um, the communication kind of styles and work you did as an uh, as an officer into here. But you never actually really held a sales job before. Um, 
when when you were going into you know SRT and you realize, hey, I got to sell this thing. <laughs> you know, what does that even mean from a process or logistics standpoint? Tell us about kind of what you thought about sales before this job and um, some of the preconceived notions you had to get over uh, as you kind of embodied this salesperson persona. So, well, first off, you tap into one that recruiting experience in the Marine Corps because you got to you just have to walk up and talk to people. And the same thing in the FBI, you got to, you, you can't sit back and wait for witnesses to come to you, you got to find them. So when it comes to sales, I'm, I'm not a big fan of cold calls. I don't know what that does, really. Um, I try to work warm introductions if I can. I try to get out to conferences and network. Um, LinkedIn is big because you can find a lot of people out there that didn't even know this existed. Um, some of the preconceived <laughs> ideas and notions I had to overcome was, uh, yeah, we're going to buy it. So, okay, I'm going to walk out with the check. We're going to install. It doesn't work that way, right? It's not a car salesman where you, when you decide you walk out with the car because mm -hmm. you're saving your money. Um, especially in government sales, you, you gotta, you gotta get in that cycle. And if you don't get in that cycle, then you gotta wait unless they come up with more money. Um, I think the other thing is I learned that just because people like your product and see the benefit of it doesn't mean they're going to buy it. Mm -hmm. So I had to get rid of that preconceived notion. You got to work hard to sell them. And just because, I mean, there's a lot of great things I see on TV and, you know, on the internet, but I don't buy them. Right. Smile, nod. Ooh, that's cool. Thanks for telling me, you know. Yes, um, exactly. Exactly. So, um, how do you overcome that? Well, first off, you you have to you have to push to get them a quote, get them a quote, get them to sign it, send it back to you, so you lock them in, and now you start that budget process. Mm -hmm. Get that done. Um, I I also learned the hard way. Once somebody tells you they like the product, but they're not interested in buying it, don't waste a lot of cycles on them. Hmm. If if you send them emails and they don't respond or you call and leave them messages or they don't respond, don't go to somebody else. They're either going to come back to you when they're ready or they're not going to buy. And we waste a lot of time, you know, gosh, they were really interested. They're going to be good. We're going to get, and how long do you go? Mm -hmm. Well, I give you a couple of emails and a couple of calls and I go on to somebody else because I want people that are interested in the product. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's I think good. one of the benefits I brought into the sales arena was my experience in public safety. Um, my oldest son's in the fire service. And so I understand all that stuff. And when I walk in, I can talk to them in the language they want to talk in. Right. And that's a big difference. That, that makes a big difference. Um, if you walk in and somebody says, well, you know, we, we follow, uh, you know, FEMA, uh, ICS, you better know what ICS is and you better know what it means. You know, it's the incident command system. We're on the police side. They are doing things a little bit different. Hmm. And one of the things that is unique about public safety, when fire goes to a scene of a fire, they have things they do. One first end does this, second end does that, third end does that. Where a police officer arrives on scene, of what they thought was a burglary 
may not be that. They don't know what they're getting. So there's there's two different, you can't be structured like fire on the police side because you just don't know what you're getting into, right? You do a, you do a car stop nowadays, you don't know what's going on in that car. Mm -hmm. So uh, being able to talk with them about how they would use the system has been a big help in sales. It's yeah. not just knowing your product, it's knowing your market. Right, knowing how to speak to your market, you know. Right, you know, I, I would recommend if somebody wanted to sell in this market into ECCs, go go do a, uh, go to a dispatch center and ask to sit there and watch. Hmm. You would be amazed at how much they have to do and what they're doing and how efficient they are with limited technology. Yeah, wow. Right? Yeah, that's good. And again, you talked about QBS and, and that's a sales strategy. I, I wanted to ask, are there any sales methodologies that you had to learn or read up on or watch videos on to, to become a better salesperson? Or do you feel like just over time you kind of got used to or just understood how to talk and, and sell to the market? You know, there are a lot of, a lot of books, a lot of videos, a lot of seminars on how to do sales. But I, I've always been a hands-on learner and I can read all the books I want, but until I go out and, and practice and, and get my feet wet and my hands dirty, mm -hmm. I don't know whether I'm good or not, right? right? So I think it depends on your learning style. A lot of people will get all hyped up about a great salesman and go to these seminars. But at the end of the day, you still got to go out and sell the product. So go out and sell the product, mm -hmm. you know? Go out and talk to people. So many times we're on our, you know, people are on their phones. They're, they're, they get earbuds in. They're not, when I go in to get coffee or whatever, or in the store, hey, how you doing? Excuse me. Thank you very much. And people, you know, older people interact. Younger people don't interact. Mm -hmm. How are you going to be a good salesman if you don't know how to talk to people? You don't know how to interact with people. Right. So put your phone down when you go to Starbucks to get a coffee and talk to the person next to you. Find out about them. They may be a sale. You never know. Mm -hmm. That's right? true. That's true. I like it. I like it. And that's that's good word. If you want to be a salesperson, you got to know how to break the ice. Yes. You to know how to just have that have that conversation. Get to know someone. Be a good listener. And you know, you got to get reps. Can't just read books about it. <laughs> you exactly. Got to do it. Exactly. I mean, if I could read diet books, I'd be thin again. But that's not happening. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I could just read a book about it. <laughs> okay. Well, we talked a bit about what sales looks like in the government, but I want to dive into that a bit more because I personally have only sold B2B, right? Only business to business, not business to government. Can you school us on what it looks like to sell to a government and some of the intricacies involved in that? So some of the things that you have to overcome is obviously you have to learn the budget cycles, local local governments, state governments, and federal governments, they all have different budget cycles. Okay. So you got to get in at the planning of, the, of that budget cycle before you do that, right? Um, the other thing in, in the government is their spending limits. And certain people can authorize X amount, but if it goes above that to the next amount, you have to get somebody's you know, permission. You may have to go to the county commission. You may have to go to the, the city commission it's it's there's a lot of bureaucracy um so you have to find out those cycles the other thing is um every state has a state contracting office 
Mm-hmm. If you can get on their state contracting, that makes things a lot easier because now you've set your standard price and they can go and say, hey, we're going to buy this. It's on the state contract. And OK, that makes it a little easier. So uh, those are the those are the things that just with B2G, you got to do. Yeah, um, it's it's tough. That's it's different. So, and, and the other thing, the other thing you have to know about um, is grants. Yeah, grants are out there that they can put in to help them buy your product mm-hmm. and then offer to help write them. Mm-hmm. Right. Help, offer to help write the grant. You can you can write about your product and what it's going to do and how it's going to benefit not only the dispatch, but the community to make those funds come in better. Um, the other thing is, is our product they can use the 911 funds for. Now, those are you pay a, a, a tax or a fee every month on your cell phone. Everybody does for 911. And then this, that's collected at the state level and then sent out to the counties based on size and population and calls and all that. And that money can only be used to benefit the 911 centers. Um, there was a big issue with departments were using it to buy certain things that weren't benefiting. So they have, they're cracking down on that again. But you have to learn that. And at the end of it, you say, you know, this does qualify for 911 funds. And they're like, oh, well, that that helps a little bit too. Now I have another source of funds I can draw from. Mm-hmm. So uh, the biggest thing is know where to get your funding, um, know your budget cycle, and don't expect it to happen overnight unless unless they have some money set aside, right? Yeah. Um, I know in Ohio, the sheriff's departments have... Uh, each sheriff has a, a fund called the Further Adjustments Fund, and that's basically money that's been seized and, and forfeited. They have that sitting there that they can use for things to benefit the department. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You said the government sales cycle is not 60-day sales cycle. How long do you, do you, <laughs> do you uh, have you experienced the sales cycle to be? Um, I, I think quick is 90 days. Okay, that is quick. Um, you know, average is going to be about 120 to 180, depending on where you're at in the budget cycle, how big the department is. You know, the smaller the department, the harder it is to get money because it's already budgeted out. Mm-hmm. Whereas a bigger department may have some money that's sitting around. Gotcha. Um, and it, it's frustrating. It really is. Again, it's not like they're going to throw a credit card down and mm-hmm. you walk out with the product. So all these different um, channels that you have to go through yes. and pitch and pitch in different ways, pitch in their voice. All right. That seems like a lot. It's a lot of work, but you did it. You have acquired a couple customers today. Tell us a bit about your customers today. How big so are they? You know, we are in uh, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're right now we're going through a pilot project uh, with Sacramento regional fire Um we are in Fort Worth Fire. In fact, we just added another channel to them. So right. they're very pleased with it. We are in Moses Lake, Washington, uh, which is on the eastern side of the state. Um, we are in Pitkin, Colorado, which is uh, Aspen area. And uh, they really like our product. We've done a case study with them. We are also uh, going into a couple other departments in Colorado. Uh, I was in discussion and, and getting ready to install with uh, 
uh, a, a regional uh, intelligence center, a real-time intelligence center, which are becoming very popular. And they like, wait a minute, we get keywords on the radio that'll tell us something's going. Yeah, you can. So now they're going to do that. Um, we're obviously out here in Ohio, and we're in uh, Collier County, Florida, which is the Naples area down in southern Florida. Um, they're getting ready to expand and, uh, you know, upsell that. Mm -hmm. The We're in Virginia, uh, rural Virginia. So we're, we're spread out amongst the country. Yeah. Um, we're excited. Um, you know, it's just a matter of people. He, here's the other thing of public safety that you have to remember in sales. Word of mouth is everything. Really? Right. So if I've, I've had people say, well, who can I talk to? I want to know what's going on, right? Yeah. So word of mouth is everything. So you, you, not only do you have to sell, but I personally, you, you talked about call centers or help centers. Ours is going to be right here in the United States because can you imagine at two or three in the morning, if public safety person calls, they can't understand the other person on the phone because I want to save money or, and they don't even know the product. They're just following a script. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. You're done. Right. And and I, I don't mean that in a malicious way, but our market demands good customer service. Period. Right. right. You know, we can't afford to go down like AT&T went down yesterday for how many hours. We can't afford to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah, that could cost lives. I right. don't want that responsibility. That's good. That's good. So, mind. Right. It's the customer first, yeah. customer, customer satisfaction. Um, and in terms of, just having savvy people understand your product and be able to speak to your product. Yeah, the, the, the people that do our QA and testing are the ones that will answer the customer calls. So they know the product. Yeah, that's good. You know, awesome. and we as a country have gotten away from customer service. You know, it's it used to be, exactly. Yeah. I mean, even if you go back to a store and say, Hey, this was broke, they don't care. Hmm. Right. It's, you know, there are a few stores left. You know, I had a great experience with the local Home Depot here. I, I got a grill and there were parts missing. And they opened up two other brand new ones in the store and the same parts were missing. So instead of me walking out of there frustrated, you know, I said, well, what can we do here? And they walked over and showed me the next level up of the grill and said, the manager can give you this amount off, so it's only going to be $20 more. I, and it was already put together. And I said, okay, that's customer service. Right. 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 It's it's like we were dealing with Fort Worth, and they said, well, we'd really like to add a third channel. Within a week, we had everything to them. They're up and running. Right. So within actually within 24 hours from the time they received the, the equipment and hooked it up, they were live. So that that's that's how you do it, right? That is how you do it. Awesome. All right, couple questions here. We got yes, sir. Left. Um, are you the only salesperson right now on your team? No, we have a full time salesperson in Tennessee that that operates, uh, and then, uh, geez, the C suite is basically also selling. So the CEO, the CMO, C CFO, CTO, we're all selling. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're trying a, a, a new way. Our CMO contacted some folks that have been sales quite a bit and came up with the idea that if you get us a demo, we'll give you $250. And if we sell it to them, you get a commission. So yeah. now we've, we've multiplied our sales force without having to pay salary. 
mm-hmm. right? And for a startup, that's huge. The same money, right? So that knows what's that? Those people, you know, in that network who is enticed to book the discovery meeting and close. Again, it's it's old relationships. Yeah. Um, with our CMO, he started his own company. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. The Climb Dashboard, the Omega Group, he started it, sold it. Um, so he knew these folks. Gotcha. Um, and I, I mean, they they have the the public safety background and they see our product and they're like, holy crap, where has this been? Right? <laughs> I wish I, I mean, I, I, a lot of people have said, what, why hasn't this been done before? You know? Mm-hmm. So, That's so, good. You know, we're all trying to sell. We all have our different ways of doing it. We we're doing demos. We can do demos virtually because we're in the cloud. Um, so, you know, we're we're hustling as much as we can. And plus, you know, doing our other jobs with the company. But it's yeah. all fun. You know? Yeah, yeah. And a question around that I wanted to ask was: if you did hire a salesperson, new salesperson who doesn't understand your field or your space, how would you go about? training and onboarding that person because there are a lot of nuances in what you guys are selling. So what what we've done is um, we've had a couple conferences that that individual has joined me and mm-hmm. joined another person. So they got to see me demonstrate. They got to see me answer questions. They got to see me ask the questions. And, you know, the last conference I was doing it, I had so many people around it. People were on his side, weren't hearing it. And I look over and he's on his computer doing it now. So, but again, we build our product very simple. It's easy to use. It's one click. It's, it's very user-friendly. So for someone to learn it, it's not hard. You just have to learn what questions to ask to find the pain points in that ECC. And, and they're doing that now, right? Good. In Good. fact, uh, they did a demo down around, I don't know, Birmingham or something, and they're very interested. So they got a quote. I mean, he, he's getting there. And, you know, it's, it's just the time cycle of get that, you know, you get them the quote. Now you got to sit back and wait for it to go through the process. Right. But bringing a new salesperson on, um, we have the ability in our system. We have our sales, uh, area where we can go into our system. And so you can give anybody that they can't mess anything up. They're not in production. Uh, well, it is in production, but it's isolated that so I can go in and do all kinds of stuff in there and it doesn't mess with anybody else. Okay. Uh, so you can give new people a login and they go in and just play with it, right? See what it does. And it's it's funny because it's one click again. I know I keep saying that, but it's that simple. Yeah, right? that's powerful. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was great to hear you speak about your background what SRT is doing, how the sales channels work. Um, Thank you so much for for being on the show. I have one more question to ask that I'd like to ask everybody uh, who's on the show. That question is, what does it take to be a salesperson, in your opinion? Confidence in two things. Confidence in your product and confidence in yourself. If you're confident that your product's good, and you're confident in yourself, you can sell it to anybody. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. All right. How can people get a hold of you, Tim, and see your content, learn more? Um, they can contact me via email at tim.shaw at smartresponsetech.com. Um, or they can go to our website, uh, smartresponsetech.com uh, on the web and contact us via there. 
Um, or they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. So awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for hopping on, Tim. It's great to hear your story. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Awesome. All right. Over and out. Yes, sir.